From WNYC, this is Money Talking. I'm Ilya Meritz, in for Charlie Herman. It was the week big business abandoned president business. Why do these CEOs are leaving your manufacturing council? Because they're not taking their job seriously as it pertains to this country. In a news conference, President Trump asked for questions about his infrastructure plans. But reporters wanted to hear about the companies distancing themselves from Trump. Merck, Under Armour, Intel, and Walmart. The country is booming. The stock market is setting records. We have the highest employment numbers we've ever had in the history of our country. We're doing record business. We have the highest levels of enthusiasm. So the head of Walmart, who I know, is a very nice guy, was making a political statement. That was Tuesday. By Wednesday, two groups of business leaders advising the president, the Manufacturing Council and the Strategy and Policy Group, had disbanded. A few of those who quit those councils left no doubt that it was the president's words and deeds following the violence in Charlottesville that caused them to go. Let's try to understand what just happened and where we go from here with Aaron Elstein from Crane's New York Business and Jennifer Kaplan of Bloomberg. Welcome to Money Talking. Hi. Hi, thanks for having me. Jennifer, I can think of a half dozen things Trump has said or done since he was inaugurated last January that could have moved business leaders as a group to criticize him. Why was it this hateful gathering of white supremacists in Virginia and the president's response that really did it? Our sources described the fact that previous disagreements were policy-based. I think that the business councils were upset by, or certain members of the business councils were upset by what happened with the proposed immigration order. There were people who were upset by uh, President Trump pulling out of the Paris climate accords. And some people did back out of the councils then, but it was really this core moral dilemma that happened that they decided that they had to get out. They couldn't stand by. They couldn't be associated with the president who wouldn't stand up and proactively come out against the white supremacists and KKK and other people who had created this violent situation in Charlottesville. They couldn't stand by that anymore. This wasn't a policy situation. This was something much bigger. Aaron Elstein from Cranes, you published a story Wednesday, uh, Trump's CEO's councils dissolve. Here are the New York execs still with him. So who's still with him? There's still quite a few. Uh, the former president of Goldman Sachs, Gary Cohen, is the director of the National Economic Council. He's one of Trump's biggest economic advisors. Steve Mnuchin, the treasury secretary, is a Goldman alum. Carl Icahn is an advisor. Wilbur Ross, who's from private equity, he's the commerce secretary. There are a bunch of New Yorkers, big business people that are still with this guy, even after everything that's happened. But it sounds like it's mostly people who work for him who are still with him. That's right. These are people who have very senior roles in the administration. They've got a lot of power, and they are not keen to give it up, even for this. What these councils we're talking about did, well, they didn't do very much. You know, they would get together, and their picture would be taken. Did anything substantive come out of anything they talked about? It doesn't look like it. So I think it was a fairly easy thing for them to say, listen, let's distance ourselves here. This is nice PR for the companies. It shows that they're they're concerned and they care, which is nice, but they're not really paying a price for this. Well, it's interesting because if you look at the business section of the paper each day, you see headlines about regulations being loosened or abolished. Yeah. Uh, President Trump wants to dilute the Dodd-Frank law. Yeah. Uh, so is business actually pretty happy with Trump? The interests of this administration and the business community are very closely aligned. Um, this administration wants tax cuts for the wealthy. That sounds terrific to most CEOs. They want to ease regulations. Most CEOs are dying for that. So there's still quite a bit they want from this administration that I think they will get from this administration. Uh, Jennifer, 
What do you think? Are corporate leaders now emboldened to say what they really think? And is what they really think, uh, actually, we kind of like this guy? I think it's a really, really tricky business because especially for companies like PepsiCo and Walmart that serve a broad array of consumers with many different political affiliations, it's really difficult to figure out how you stand here. You don't want to offend any major group that you know, is coming to your store or buying your product. So that I think is what really, you know, shackled some of these CEOs to begin with. They didn't want to rock the boat. We're sort of in a, in a place right now where consumers are, you know, throwing around the word boycott with abandon. So it's hard to tell exactly what is going to do best. I have to think that, you know, it took them long enough to make a stand on the council and they didn't do it till they all were going to do it together in, you know, the majority of cases. So I can't imagine that, these CEOs are now going to run around insulting the president or his policies. They still have a lot of regulatory burdens that they would like to get rid of. I think that they're still going to have to work with the White House behind the scenes. And I have to think that that's going to continue throughout the presidency. So I think the old rule book probably said, when the president calls, you pick up the phone, you offer your advice, and you try to not offend consumers mm-hmm. when possible. Uh, did that old rule book get ripped up this week, and what's in the new rule book? I'm quite sure that if Jamie Dimon, the CEO of J.P. Morgan, wants to get on the phone with the president, he can do it in a matter of minutes, even if Dimon you know, resigned from the council and, and did so in a public way. Um, I think all these CEOs can reach the president, and he can reach them anytime they want. And you know, this, this formality, this formal council that existed doesn't really, doesn't really matter too much. I was actually thinking a lot about a tweet uh, from a few days ago from Joe Wiesenthal, uh, who's your colleague at Bloomberg, right, Jennifer? Uh, he tweeted, I still LOL thinking about all the times CEOs complained about uncertainty under President Obama as a thing holding back business. L- looking backwards, do you think CEOs are reconsidering the way that they thought and talked about the Obama administration? It's an interesting thing to think about because on the one hand, there's a new kind of uncertainty when it comes to the office of the president and what is going to come out of the president's mouth or, you know, Twitter handle. And that's certainly different. I think on the other hand, the president is still implementing policies that a lot of big businesses are fans of. So, you know, in in some ways, having uh, Republicans in power is, is still a good thing for business. So I think it's sort of an interesting balance to have to figure out where you're actually more concerned about the uncertainty of the man himself and what's going to come out of his mouth from a moral perspective than what could happen in terms of policy. Jennifer Kaplan covers business for Bloomberg. She's also co-host of the Material World podcast. Aaron Elstein is a senior reporter for Crane's New York Business. Uh, Thank you both for joining us. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank you. And I'm Ilya Meritz. Charlie Herman is back next week. This is Money Talking from WNYC.